the John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that for us next. Big job there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Oh, down goes Duffy. Oh, cold. Frank Mir does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh, my goodness. I believe there are a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. All right, good to be back in your lives. Monday, August 23rd, the year is 2021. It's episode 214 of the Anakin Florian podcast. Happy birthday if it's somebody's birthday out there. I feel like it's somebody's birthday every day when you get older. So uh, lock it in your phone, and every single day it's somebody's birthday. Uh, Ken Flo's in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. Good morning, pal. It is 7.30 on the screws, Pacific Standard Time. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Uh, Good to be back in Vegas. Staying at a hotel here where I actually used to fight. This is how old I am, John. It's you know, I mean, I stay at hotels that are no longer the same names when I was staying there back in the day. Yeah, like, you know, I mean, like when I was staying there 15 years ago, right, it was a right, different right. name. That's how old I am now. It's yeah. insane. Black and white television. My yeah. daughter's like, What? I'm like, Yeah, I'd watch the Celtics and most nights in the 80s, like it wasn't a great feed, you know. Right. Like, Dad, can we get a better picture? Be like, son, <laughs> why don't you sit on the floor for now? <laughs> uh you can earn your way back to the couch um notice how kenflo won't tell you why he's in vegas like i have to fry that out of him he's out there filming battle bots so he's yes. going to leave us in about 45 minutes but we appreciate you waking up it's a nice little backdrop it looks pretty nice where you are thank you man yeah it's a nice hotel um i'll be working my ass off for the next uh, couple weeks yeah. so um it's going to be intense but exciting and fun yeah. and uh yeah, I miss I, I missed that information. Sorry. You left a lot. No, I don't I just kid. You left <laughs> a lot of real work at home though. And yeah, uh, I know people people don't like when I complain about being tired after UFC shows, so I'm not going to do that this week, right? But you dive right back into childcare after the PFL show and then you fly out and you're studying robots instead of uh doing round the clock childcare. So it's just different. Dude, work. It is. It really is. And it's tough, man. This is the longest I'm going to be away from seeing my kids. And like, by the time I get back, they'll probably be twice as big and saying all these things and doing all these things. So I'm sorry. I'm going to miss that. But um, yeah, it's tough. With respect to your son, he he is uh, not a part of this equation, at least right now. I mean, how many <laughs> nights are you going to be away from your daughter? Because your son will not remember any of this noise. No, he won't. No. How many nights are you going to be away? I, from dude, it's going to be, I, I won't be back until September 5th. Yeah, so See, that's, that's yeah. That's a I mean, time, man. that's a that's a big deal. That's a big deal. And they I, can't really come out and visit because it's not a good time to have a baby on a plane. You know, like yep, he doesn't yep. have an immune system, so it's like yeah. No, I just have so much respect for all the military men and women around the world, right? And the yeah, sacrifices man. that they make, um, you know, with their time and other things. But trying to wrap my head around 180 nights potentially or more away from right. uh, a child who's like eight and really gets it, uh, that could be very difficult. So, uh, all right, yeah. a lot to get to. UFC Fight Night, Cannoneer versus Gastelum is in the can. Uh, some PFL stuff on Kayla Harrison, time permitting as well. Um, but let us begin with headlines in UFC Fight Night, Cannoneer versus Gastelum. Unanimous decision uh, for Jared Cannoneer, 48-47 times three. Your thoughts on the uh, UFC headliner over the weekend? Listen, I thought it was a great fight. Um, you know, physically, I was a little concerned because for me, I, I felt like Gastelum looked like he wasn't in the best shape, but he came out and really delivered, I thought, an awesome performance. He gotten 
Cannoneer's face. He was active. He was throwing some awesome combinations. Um, he was doing his best to, to be successful with his wrestling. Um, I thought his shots were good. He just wasn't able to finish a lot of those takedowns. Uh, and for me, Cannoneer, I think, really established himself as truly elite. Um, you know, I was waiting for another performance for him against another very well-established and respected fighter like a Kelvin Gastelum to see what, how he would perform. And man, did he perform. I thought that he won the fight. Um, you know, for anyone who thought maybe it went the other way, uh, I thought it was pretty clear for Cannoneer. Yeah. I thought his striking was awesome. I thought he showed tremendous patience. There were times where I would agree with him, where I would have liked to seen him do more. But man, he carried so much power. And, and those hooks uh, were shots that uh, Kelvin really didn't see coming. And he, and he dropped them a couple times because of it, or at least once. Uh, and you don't see a whole lot of guys yeah. dropping Kelvin Gastelum and even fewer who are able to knock him out. So um, I thought it was a, a very technical uh, and exciting fight. Verdict MMA global scorecard. Super interesting for me on this front because hmm. it did have Kelvin Gastelum winning round one, 9.54 to 9.49. And so very close. Right. And that was yeah. sort of, I think, the round for me. You know, I thought rounds two and five were Kelvin's. And uh, I did think Cannonier won the fight. I know Rafael Cordero was upset. I was able to see him after the fight. And I said, I had two and five for you. Um, but after round one, it seemed like Gastelum and, and Cordero kind of thought that they got a lot of things done. And they did. Um, and overall, yeah. you know, you led with Gastelum. So there's a lot to discuss on the Cannonier side. But I want to stay on KG for a little bit. The chin, the recovery, the the, the recoverability, the ability to mentally stay in the fight when you get hit like that. We talked about him fighting seven current or former UFC champions, 20 UFC fights in two divisions. How you fight guys like Tim Kennedy and you're undersized, staring across at Tim Kennedy. And it's just like this dude, man. I mean, what is it? Is it the chin? Is it the recoverability? What is it for you? Uh, because a chin is one thing, and I guess it goes for a lot of people. Um, but man, it's going to take something really powerful to to separate this man from his conscious. There's no question about it, John. For me, the thing that I think will not only define Kelvin for this fight, but throughout his career is he's the guy that when the lights turn on, he does as well. And there's never a fight where Kelvin doesn't really show up or do something impressive. You know, I think there's, very rare do you get a stinker fight from Kelvin Gastelum. This guy loves to fight. He is the ultimate competitor when it counts. And I think his willingness to just want to get in there and scrap and give it his best is the thing that's going to define him. And you don't always see that. You know, there, you'll see guys, sure, you'll have off nights, but sometimes you'll see guys that it looks like they don't want to be there. Kelvin Gastelum always looks like he wants to be Great there. Point. And he's going to fight his freaking ass off to the very end. And um, that's why we had such a great fight. I mean, there's not a whole lot of guys that are going to get up after taking Cannoneer's best shot. It's amazing how intuitive you can be when you're not even there, right? Because you hit two nails just so firmly on the head in terms of Gastelum's desire to be there and his ability to elevate himself on fight night. You know, we talk about Gregor Gillespie as a wrestler and how you know, maybe wasn't the best in practice, but nobody elevated themselves right. on wrestling night more than Gregor Gillespie did as a collegian. You know, 
it really is a staple of Kelvin Gastelum's career. I mean, you mentioned maybe not in the best shape of his life. I don't even think it matters, right? right. I mean, I don't know that if if he worked his way into a rematch with Israel Adesanya, if from a strength and conditioning perspective, he has to be in the best shape of his life. You know, he is just a fighter and on fight night, any given Saturday night, I do think at a championship setting with Gastelum's power and his ability to mix it up, mix it up. Like has a fighter ever had more momentum with losses in five of his last six, right? It's crazy. Absolutely. And I think that's another reason why the UFC loves to use him in, in situations like this, where he, he can come in on a short notice or relatively short notice, you know, you're going to get the best Kelvin Gastelum possible. And, and, he comes to fight every single time out, man. All right, so KG is still going to be in the mix. Uh, he turns 30 in October, but 20 fights in, and uh, wow. nobody's been able to knock him out. He's had a lot of big wins, obviously, against former champions. Uh, but Jared Cannonier was the guy who came in with the significantly higher ranking, number three in the world, and did nothing to diminish that status. You know, I did have a conversation with my twin brother as to whether or not we think his ceiling is still as high or higher or lower than it was going into the fight, mm. right? And sometimes it's hard for me to take a firm line or have an opinion on something like that, right? To sit here and say, I don't know if Cannoneer's ceiling is championship the way maybe I thought it was going into the fight. You know, I will say to this audience that I don't necessarily think the Adesanya matchup right now is super great for him per se, and that's who the champion is. Um, I think Jared Cannonier, there's no doubt, is an elite middleweight. You know, there's no doubt on my scorecard he won this fight. Um, you know, I do want to see him uh, maybe take one more fight potentially, but I don't see one for him in the top 10. Like, most of these guys oh, yeah. are matched up, you know, depending on uh, the calendar with Whitaker and Adesanya. I do think Cannonier's next fight could be for the title. Uh, what do you think about Cannonier's ceiling uh, based upon those 25 minutes that range? There's a lot there. I, I think that if I'm Cannonier, I, I would like to get one more fight. And I feel like he does as well, not only, I guess, financially for him and his family, but also to get that much more experience. You know, when you're a striker and you're known as a guy who can go out there and, you know, outstrike his opponents, and then you see a guy like Adesanya, who is such a good counter striker, who's longer and rangier and so experienced when it comes to that aspect of the game, I think. I would have liked to, you know, or I would like to get another fight in, you know, whether it's a, I don't know, a Marvin Vittori or perhaps a, you know, a winner of Strickland and Rockhold or, you know, I, I don't know. But yeah, I think getting another fight against another seasoned opponent, um, I think would be wise for Cannoneer. Yeah. Uh, not only do I think he could pull through and get the win, but I think just having that much more experience and getting that much more octagon time before you're facing an elite guy like an Adesanya, I think would serve him well. Got a lot of respect for, uh, for John Crouch and that team and just the athlete and, and how thoughtful Cannoneer is. And uh, again, you know, that was a really, really devastating injury, breaking his ulna bone. He needed a second surgery. I think his surgeon would have liked him to have more time before this wow. fight. But uh, you know, part of the reason obviously why he, uh, he needs the money right now is because he hasn't fought in a while, but truly yeah. as an elite middleweight, hopefully he can uh, get in that championship setting. And obviously if he takes advantage uh, financially, he will have changed his life forever. But uh, you know, Costa, uh, Paolo Costa is number two in the world right now. I believe he's rumored to be, or is matched up with fourth rank Marvin Vittori. Robert Whitaker is the number one contender uh, who presumably is going to fight Israel Adesanya. If that's been announced, um, that hasn't been on my radar at all. So, uh, We'll see what they do at middleweight with Cannoneer uh, and how selective he is about uh, 
you know, the Rockholds of the world and people like that. But I would sure. think Rockhold, were he to get past Sean Strickland, uh, maybe there would be an appetite for that. Um, yeah. All right, co-main event, Mark Madsen against your former opponent, Clay Guida. Split decision for Mark O. Madsen. And I think most people who ingest this podcast uh, watch the broadcast and they understand everything that Mark O. Madsen is going through uh, when it comes to his wife's diagnosis with multiple sclerosis and everything he had to battle just to get to fight night. Um, but as far as the fight itself is concerned, I kind of thought Clay Guida won Ken Flo. Uh, I think Paul Felder to my right didn't necessarily agree with that. Um, what'd you think of the fight overall? It was close. Um, who'd you think won? That's a difficult answer uh, for me. I think that, listen, watching and maybe not trying to score it, I thought Clay Guida won, uh, if I'm being honest. And, and obviously, I had, pick, I had picked Madsen uh, to, to win the fight on the podcast. I thought that Madsen was the one going forward largely, right? He was the one who was kind of pursuing, and, and I thought that there were times where I thought he landed the bigger blows, but... It was Clay Guida who was landing more often. I thought Guida landed some really good shots in that fight as well, especially yeah. in, in round one. So there were a couple of times where it looked like he stunned uh, Matson in, in round one for sure. Um, but, you know, the, the strongest part of, of Marco Matson's uh, game is his wrestling. And he w- really wasn't able to, to get it done. Guida did a great job of moving and striking, uh, which is an aspect you don't really see from Clay Guida. So it was a really close fight. Again, I wasn't watching to score it. Right. I had Guido, I had Guido winning. Um, yeah. So I agree with you. Uh, I thought Guido was landing more. It, it was a really good fight. I thought so too. And sometimes it is hard. And Daniel Cormier kind of kept coming back to this on the broadcast. But you're calling a fight. And then you look over at the stats. And they don't seem to at all dovetail with what you are watching. And yeah you're sort of wondering like what's going on here. And as I've said on this podcast, you know, if I was a judge, there's certainly at this point in time would have been a scorecard of mine that people were like, dude, what is he watching? Right. And I'm not saying there was anything egregious that went on in this fight, but it's like, how are we scoring leg kicks versus other things? And, you know, Clay Green is going to be 40 years old in December. Like nothing phased him on the feet, but yes, I think Marco Madsen landed the more damaging strikes, I guess. I don't know. Me digesting those 15 minutes, I can understand why Danny Castillo was upset, but uh, congratulations to Marco Madsen. And if it means the way Madsen's contract is structured, that he gets show and win money, given everything that he's going through and has gone through, you know, the double jaw surgeries with the titanium plate not taken and getting COVID-19, losing his house, all of that underneath, you know, the life-changing event that is his wife's diagnosis uh, with multiple sclerosis, because he's 11-0 and right now, Kenny, as a lightweight. Uh, and I just, you know, he has a lot of personal navigations that I think are going to get in the way of some of his professional uh, endeavors. I think that's one of the things that even other fighters, right, and the fans that are watching, I think we forget that life uh, can knock you down way worse than the fight game. And and we forget oftentimes, and, and there's so many stories that we don't know of fighters who who are going in there under some very difficult personal circumstances. And, um, you know, I I think it's a testament to, to Matson and and his determination uh, and his ability to deal with adversity and, and to kind of try to do his best to block all of those things out and compete to the best of his ability. And all those things considered, whether he won or lost uh, it's, it's still impressive what he did and what he was able to do. 
Yeah, and he called out Gregor Gillespie. I'm not sure that fight makes a ton of sense. Uh, competitively, uh, I would like to see it, but I feel like Gregor might be ranked again, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like Gillespie at this stage of his career, uh, with respect to Madsen's body of work, has sights set on uh, on somebody uh, ranked above him. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, I want to get to Saeed Yakub Kakramanov over Trevin Jones uh, by guillotine choke in round three. And thankfully for uh, the Uzbekistan native, Saeed Yakub Kakramanov, this did not go to the judges' scorecards because it might not have gone his way. You know, it really was a close fight. I think it was hard to score. I certainly think there was some stalling on the part of a very exhausted Trevin Jones. But, bro, this dude gets a short-notice call to the UFC when he's in Uzbekistan, right? He trains in California. He's got all this family in Illinois. Of fucking course you're in Uzbekistan when the UFC comes calling for a short-notice fight. You know, <laughs> no fighter meeting, couldn't make weight, forfeits 20% of his purse. He's not bonus eligible, and on this night he wasn't going to win one. But uh, this is what it's all about, man, you know? Uh, I feel really good for this kid. I don't know him that well, obviously, but uh, I think he could be a potential problem given what he was able to do with next to no notes. That's impressive, man. I I wasn't able to see that fight, unfortunately, but, you know, Uzbekistan has a a rich history of of wrestling and grappling, um, and um, I'd love to go back and, and watch that. In terms of the grappling, and I know you saw only some of these fights selectively, um, first fight of the night, Ramiz Brahimai, Fortis MMA. You need to watch that kid grapple. Uh, nine pro wins, all nine of them by submission. Uh, you saw the Ignacio Bahamundes, the Chilean highlight against Roosevelt Roberts, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What a knockout, dude. So, and this man's going to have an entire nation behind him. Not unlike Cheeto Vera does with Ecuador. Uh, the Chilean's Instagram following is going up as we speak. He just gained 200 more in the time it took me to say that, actually. (laughs) But he has the potential to be a real star. Got to play defense at some point, though, man. You know, this wasn't the fight to knock his defense, I guess. But he still ends up wearing it and being all cut up. Uh, He he very much has the potential for these type of highlights. I mean, all of his teammates uh, running out of superlatives when it comes to talking about what he's able to do in the gym. Um, But. You know, he is not afraid to get hit. And, uh, you know, Ken Flo played defense a lot more, I guess, in his career. Right. Well, I love the fact that, you know, um, he, he he wants to get in there and scrap. I also uh, think his knockout is on the level of of Edson Barbosa when, when he hit that wheel kick. I mean, it's just it's right there with it. It's one of the yeah. it's one of the best knockouts I've seen in the UFC period. I know yeah. we we throw that around a lot. But my goodness, when you're talking about the difficulty, the degree of that technique, the accuracy of it, and the yeah. fact that it just puts them to sleep with such ferocity. And it was yeah. unbelievable. And then he says, didn't he say something like he wants to get paid in Bitcoin for his bonus? So it's like, oh, did he? I, I, love, I, I, love, I think he said something about Bitcoin and wanting to get paid in Bitcoin or something. But anyways, I love the guy. It's great. How many times can Ken Flo say Bitcoin in 10 seconds? It's over 50,000, <laughs> by the way. Uh, well, it just we went to 51 here. since he started talking about it. Well, it's unbelievable. Thank you, Cody. Just insane. You know, my brother a few weeks ago was like, hey, Bitcoin's down to like 25. Why don't you buy one? You know, I was like, I can't afford to buy one, Jay. Uh, you know, it's like, well, you would have doubled your money now. So, um, yeah, but Ignacio Bahamundes, congrats on the bonus. The spinning wheel kick knockout, just the 10th of its kind uh, in UFC history, I believe. That Terry Adam knockout uh, by Edson Barboza. Yes. 
so I thought that there was like um, a, an explosion of some kind at this arena. I was in the back interviewing a fighter. If memory serves, it was uh, maybe January of 2012. It was one of my first assignments with the UFC. And perhaps Cody can look that up. But I didn't see it happen live. And when wow. I heard that building do that, and it was shaking, I thought something was going on. It was my first <laughs> of now 27 trips to Brazil. I was freaking out. And it was just Edson Barboza doing his thing. But the way Terry Edom was just stiff as a board instantaneously. Uh, and Edson, oh, my God. I just I dude, can't ever well, imagine, compare any knockout to that. Absolutely, dude. And imagine, imagine if that knockout happened uh, at, at a pay-per-view you know, with a full T-Mobile arena or something like that. I mean, right. it would have been insane. Right. The, the impact of it, we, we would be talking about it for a long time. But You're right. You know? No, that's fair. And Environment that obviously helps. added to the Barboza highlight. And it was January 14, 2012, six days before you and I uh, called our fights our together fight. for the first yeah. time in Nashville, Tennessee uh, on FX on that Friday night. Uh, so. That was UFC 142, Aldo versus Mendez, uh, the first meeting. All right, it was a big night for the state of Connecticut. Parker Porter over Chase Sherman by unanimous decision. Parker Porter is a really interesting heavyweight moving forward because he's able to go 15 hard, puts a lot of volume on you, he's got a great chin, uh, great mentality about him, and just a great way about him overall. Good father. Um, you saw the William Knight highlight, the other kid from Connecticut at light heavyweight backing yes. up. And, uh, dude, what a, what, a, what a specimen, this William Nightmare Knight, huh? A, a bit of an athlete, huh? I mean, it's just... First of all, you know, you're going backwards. He's literally stepping backwards. The weight and momentum of his body's going back. He throws kind of like a a, a lazy hook going backwards. You, you think, well, it's just kind of going to get him out of trouble a little bit. Yeah, it did get him out of trouble a lot of it. It knocked him out with a yeah. shot that he, it seems like he didn't even throw. And then he goes and does this like gymnastic routine. I was like, how big is this dude to be able to do that? Both yeah. of those things. Within the like, yeah. Within the span of ten seconds, you're like, this dude's a freak. Yeah. So when I beat my brother in one on one, I'm much more inclined to celebrate than he is, right? Mm -hmm. I'm much more inclined to like motherfuck him when I win, you know, <laughs> like walking around, you know, embarrassing yeah. him with the kids on the playground or whatever is going on. So Fabio Charant talked a lot of shit going into this fight. Okay. So I'm curious. I'm asking you as the fighter, as the athlete, right? Like, to what extent do you enjoy this in the days and weeks thereafter when you're with your buddies and your family? Because if it was me, I wouldn't probably be talking a bunch of shit when I was going into a fist fight like this for fear that uh, it would come back to bite me in the ass. But, sure. you know, William Knight kind of kept his cool unless there was something he said that I didn't ingest. Fabio Charant talks all this shit, right, and just says he's not on my level. And Fabio's the man, right? Love the water buffalo. He's not, like, talking it with any malice. He just didn't yeah. think William Knight was evolving the way he was and not on his level as the fighter you knock out a guy like this who talks all i mean i just i just think i'd be really leaning into cockiness for uh for the next week you know i'll say this i wouldn't feel bad about it i mean i you know you you feel great you you, you feel like you shut him up but at the same time it's like you know that there's some other dude who's training to kick your ass so then you right, kind of have right. to like it quickly get your mindset and be like, all right, stay humble. I got to get ready for the next dude who might right. do that to me, you know? So it's, but you afraid of shutting up talking about your shit. No doubt. So, about it. all right. So 
I guess, you know, I know I don't think you and Maynard were like super amicable leading up to your fight, if memory serves. But did Joe Lozon yeah. ever uh, ever say anything leading up to that main event? He did. He did. He was making. Well, that, this is why, like, I kind of like wanted to keep punching him from out. Uh, <laughs> he, he was, he, you know, I like I like Joe and I like I support him throughout his career. I was like super pumped that, it, you know, another dude from the Boston area was kicking ass. So um, I'd always liked him. And then he was coming out with these videos and kind of like mocking me and my brother, and you know, and they were like kind of posting these videos on social media. Yeah. So, and I had hurt my back. I wasn't training before that fight like much. And so I was really nervous about it because I not put in a camp because of this damn back injury. Yeah. Um, and then hearing that I was just really ticked yeah. off. So yeah. 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 And I'm just going to say, because Ken Flo is one of my best friends in the world. Like, I love Joe Lozon. There are a lot of people from his team that listen to this podcast. And, uh, you know, when I and Randy Costa is my man. Right. But it's like well, I hear people say, oh, you know, Joe Lozon, the king of New England MMA. It's like, hey, I'm the fucking president of Team Florian. OK, Ken Flo fought for a belt three times. Beat Joe Lozon head to head in the main event. Right. So it's like you just I don't want to go down the king of New England MMA path today. And again, I think Robbie Font or Calvin Cater might step up and. uh you know, there's killing it, man. any of the Florians and Lozons of the world. So, uh, but Joe's a legend for sure, no, man. I mean, Joe Lo, there's yeah. no doubt with Joe Lozon's UFC body of work, um, that yeah. you can certainly, he can certainly lay claim to, uh, that distinction. I just don't think on the Anakin Florian podcast, those are, uh, <laughs> things that are going to come his way is all, uh, Vince from hell. Pichel is seven and two in the UFC. And I'm not sure anybody is happy for him than me. Um, you know, he's won three in a row now. He changed training camps. And I don't know, man. Like, I hope he gets the big fight that he's looking for. Um, I don't think he's going to get the Gregor Gillespie rematch. But I'm just really happy for this man. You know, he's been through a lot. Some of it self-inflicted, I guess, at times. Sure. You know, you could argue. I mean, the motorcycle accident in a career that has had a lot of injuries was less than ideal. Um, but I love this kid. And um I'm really excited because for the first time in his entire career, Kenny, like he's actually thinking about contention. Like he's never been training with MMA fighters. He's never been thinking about contention. I'm, I'm super right. happy for this. Uh, I can't call him a kid, but I'm happy for the uh, almost 40 year old Vince Pichel. Uh, Vince is doing awesome, man. To me, I think it was the difference was his maturity, his experience, his ability to win the scrambles that he needed to win to get those rounds. And, and I thought it was really impressive because, you know, obviously Austin Hubbard was, was trying to win that fight. He yeah, was fighting yeah. really hard. It wasn't, there wasn't, there wasn't any point where any of those guys were giving up. They were both fighting their asses off. Um, I just felt that, you know, the, the key moments uh, were won by Vince Michelle. And, yep. and I, I thought it was awesome to see. And those are the kind of fights that I also propel you forward and add a momentum and a confidence to you to keep doing that. Um, so it, it was great to see Vince is an awesome dude. I know he's been working, working really hard. And at this point in his career to see him have this amount of momentum is, is really cool to see. Training at elevation, doing a strength and conditioning program for the first time in his career, which is interesting because he's always been known as being one of the more physically strong lightweights. And, uh, you're right, man. You, you summed up Hubbard well, too. Uh, fight super hard, well-rounded kid. Um, just ran into a better man, at least on this night, in Vince Pichel. Did you see the main card opener between Alessandre Pantoja and Brandon Royval by chance? I did. 
All right, tell me what you thought. Awesome fight. Awesome fight. That dude, that dude, Royville. I mean, he, oh, yeah. I don't know if there's ever a fight where he's like completely out of it. Like he always has a chance to win that fight at some point. At, there's little things. It's like little details, little things that he's missing that it, it's, it, he has that fighting spirit. He has that fearlessness. He has, um, you know, the skills. It's just little details, little fine tuning that he needs to get him to that next level, to get him over the hump. Because, man, he, I'm telling you, he's a talent. He's a talent. Pantoja, just again, um, you know, the experience, uh, the determination. He did have those finishing skills. That really was the difference. Like when he was in the when he had that opportunity to win that fight, he did it. He closed, he closed the door where Royville just did, wasn't quite able to do that. And he had opportunities. So it was a really exciting fight. It was an awesome fight, as I expected. But um, it's kind of why I picked Pantoja. I just felt that, like, he's a little bit more mature, and I think he's a little bit um, more refined in some ways. Yeah. I agree with everything you said about Brandon Royval. Um, Got to be on the list for a lot of people in terms of their favorite fighters with everything he brings to the table. Are you talking just submission defense-wise in terms of some of the uh Kind of everything, I guess. There's a little bit more shaping. There's a little bit more refinement that's needed for Brandon Royval. And I I think he is really talented. And and I think he's got a tremendous amount of potential, man. So I'm excited for him. I still think there's so much more for us to see. I would love for him to keep that aggression and keep that fighting spirit. I just think there's some some more molding that needs to be done. Um, And... um, you know, when, when that happens and when it clicks for him, watch out. Yeah. A lot of valuable experience already accrued by Brandon Royval, of course, uh, in the UFC and in other places, which figures to serve him well moving forward. Uh, but Alessandre Pantoja, of course, uh, came in number three in the world, I believe, has the history with Brandon Moreno, obviously. The two head-to-head wins, one of them not on his pro record, which I believe was the submission on the Ultimate Fighter, and then the decision win as well. Uh, And as I said on the broadcast, it's amazing or maybe not so amazing, if you know the man, how much respect all these flyweight contenders have for the champion, Brandon Moreno. But I got to tell you, and maybe I'm not even supposed to be sharing some of this, but I found out at the airport, Pantoja almost had to pull out of the fight, dude. You know, he dealt with so much during this training camp. He was not healthy. um, And his chief corner, uh, Marcos Damata, obviously our good friend, Pahumpa, um, was in the hospital for 12 days during the heart of this training camp. Pahumpa's got to go to Sao Paulo and have surgery soon. I'm not really going to get into the specifics, but uh, just so many things got in the way. And Pahumpa and Macarao, you know, their message and these coaches at American Top Team are unbelievable. But the message kind of to Pantoja was like, hey, man, like we really can't pull out like champions kind of have to win fights when there are all of these different circumstances going on. And the fact that Pantoja was able to do that, you know, I don't want to sort of take anything away from either man, but it, I think this win is even more remarkable when you have the backdrop of everything that he was going through. So congrats to Pantoja. I do think with respect to Davis and Figueredo that, that Alessandre Pantoja is the number one contender. And given his history, right, with Brandon Moreno, I mean, don't you make that fight right now? No question about it. That's that's the fight to make. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I think you're spot on on that. I, I think as a, as a fighter and as a dude who was per- – you know, on his way to trying to be a champion, it's inevitable that you will fight injured. 
and with a lot of other circumstances, whether it's a situation, you know, that like Mark O'Madson's dealing with, there's something personally going on, something, you know, some family issues, some injury. Uh, and the, the fact that Pantoja was able to do that and pull it off, uh, I think is, is that much more impressive. All right. It is time for the Ray Longo minute. It is not sponsored this week, but if you do what? want to sponsor the Ray Longo minute, uh, you can let us know uh, at any time through the proper social media channels. Let's get to Ray. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Well, we can't get this thing sponsored, Ray. What's going on? I mean, come on, no sponsors. You can't get this thing sponsored. It's <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. You know, people in the comments that suggest that they fast forward to the Ray Longo minute, which obviously does not make me and Kenny feel very good, but that's neither here nor there. But if people are fast forwarding to this segment, uh, <laughs> the least it could be is sponsored. Oh, man, they fast forward. You mean they don't want to listen to how you guys cut the grass together? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> We were sponsored by a punch a hole in his chest shirt. Oh, yeah, John, great job on the podcast. But that might have been your best. Did you hear uh, that, Ray? Or that might have been your best announcing yet. That was your best. Oh. I think, did you hear that, though, Kenny, when he said it? Crickets. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah exactly. Yeah, hey, DC, thanks for jumping in, buddy. That was <laughs> yeah, exactly. Literally, I mean, crickets. Left them for dead. We sold, we sold like a thousand t-shirts because right. of that. <laughs> but no, I mean, you see a guy punch a guy right in the chest. I think most MMA fans or at least half of them think of Ray Longo. I did. Absolutely. Uh, and just get completely fucking stonewalled by my broadcast partners, Paul, Paul Felder and Dan. They're not hardcore. They're not hardcore yeah. MMA fans. Yeah. Is what it is. I don't know. Or they just don't like me, which is okay. That definitely was the longest silence I'm ever. I'm telling you, you know, <laughs> and I get off the air and the fan base loved it, you know, but uh, I, was like, no, I, need, goes, I need, I only need two people in that moment to like it or one of two people. Yeah, and you're right. One of them did, they left so. you for dead. But, I mean, I don't know, Kenny, it was, it was actually bad. He says, don't oh, no, it's not like punching a hole through his chest. And I'm like, honey, what the volume? I think we, uh, did you hit mute by, by accident? <laughs> it's like, I think she mute. I thought, I really thought she muted it by accident. <laughs> no, no, it was actually cool. No, full blown, full blown. All Felder and Daniel Cormier are not your friends, John. Okay? Maybe I'm jealous, right. but right. I'm just letting you know. Right. They're just in a different column friend. of friendship. Certainly not yeah. in the Longo <laughs> column, right? I mean, O'Connell would have been all over that, man. They would have had yeah. a field day. <laughs> exactly. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. <laughs> all right, so we got a lot of things to uh, to get to with you. Um, did you watch this main event between Jared Cannonier and Kelvin Gastelum? And uh, if so, what did you think? Yeah, I thought it was a, you know, obviously close, competitive fight. Uh, I think I think the right guy won, even though if it went the other way, I don't know if I would have been totally, you know, it was a close it was a close fight. You know, yeah. I think, you know, I think the bigger punches had more of an impact maybe on the judges. But man, did Kelvin eat that stuff and keep coming forward? He did. Look, I'm I, yeah, I, I don't have a problem either way, whichever fight that whichever way that went. I don't right. know if that's answering your question, but it was just yeah. a yeah. really close fight and uh Man, I don't know. I mean, you know, Kelvin, I thought did, you know, I thought he he did better than he's been doing. 
Ray, I'm curious as to what you would have said because it seemed like both corners heading into that fifth round were saying that the other one had three rounds, that they were up. So, you know, as a corner, man, what, what would you have said to to yeah. your guy? You know, I think that might have been a mistake a little bit, no? Yeah, I think that's the mistake, 100% the mistake because – even if they're close rounds, you have to say the other guy got the round. I mean, you just, just to instill that, that you need this like more. I mean, I would have, right. yeah, going into that round, I would have said, look, man, I, I don't know. I, if I, if I'm being honest, I go, man, I have you up, but I, I, I you can't go by that. You know, you gotta, you gotta go and you gotta end the fight. You know, I definitely, was that the, that was the fight, right? Cause there was one fight. Oh, I guess it was that fight. Yeah. I think the, the cornering, yeah, both of them, yeah, I think it was the first round was the tricky round, right? So yes. Kelvin got like two yeah. and uh, two and five for sure. When it comes down to that, man, you never know what's going to happen. Like there, when there's two clear rounds for each guy, and one round could have went either way, that, that it does get tricky like that, you know. And that's the way the cookie crumbles, I guess. Some coaches stylistically, Ken Flo and Ray. Um, yeah. And I think in a UFC apex too, there's something that goes into it with the judges, you know, loudly saying you're up and all this. bullshit. Some coaches, you know, uh, I, I'm after that first round, like I'm definitely saying to my student, throw that round away. 10, 10, as far as I'm like, we yeah, 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 feel yeah. like we have that round. And yeah, no, instead, I think both coaches felt super great that they had won it. Um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm, I'm always going to, if you ask me, I'm always going to be cautious and say that you lost a round just to, so you don't rest on your laurels at any yeah. point in time. Right. You gotta, you gotta keep it real. So, uh, oh, John, are you saying that they're saying that so that the judges hear them and they try Who to? Who knows? Who knows? But certainly they're they trying to sure. influence every strike. You know, it, yeah, um, it could be. But again, then you are screwing with the fighter. That's the problem. Right. Yeah. Right. No. Very, very good point. Um, yeah. by you. Uh, so really as far as it. as far as Jared Cannonier's championship ceiling, you know. Uh, do you think his ceiling is champion uh, after what you saw 25 minutes? And did this performance, you know, affect your opinion as to how great you think he can be? Uh, no, it didn't. Ch- I'm going to say it didn't change any opinions. I thought the guy was good. I, I like that he came down to 85. Uh, yeah, no, I think he's, you know, he he's deserves a title shot. If you want to make one more fight. Uh, you know, look, it's not linear logic, but Kelvin was close to winning that fight. I think tactically he did some things wrong with uh, Adesanya, uh, but I thought he was right in there where he wanted to be. Had him hurt a couple of times or at least one time. Yeah, but you can't, you can't go by that. But uh, he's definitely got the size and the strength, and it looks like you know he was countering pretty good. He understands what's going on. His takedown defense, a hundred percent, held up. So. Yep. You know, what's to stop him from putting Izzy on his back? He's a, you know, he's a big, strong heavyweight coming down to 185. So you don't know. So, yeah, he deserve, he definitely deserves a shot. But uh, nothing, like, changed. It wasn't like an aha moment. Like, I had what, like, Cyril Ghosn taking out the beast. Like, I, I thought that was a really great performance to step up right. and make a statement. There was really no statement made. I think you made my point for me, I guess. And again, I'm just talking to my twin brother as a fan, right? Yeah. But we're sort of just talking about Cannoneer after the fact and where do we think he is relative to where he was going in. And and I didn't think this was necessarily 
uh, the statement that uh, that he was looking for, um, especially because a lot of people are talking about Gastelum and, and everything that he got done in the fight uh, in a losing effort. Uh, are you watching the PFL to support your buddy Ken Flo or no? Of, of course. So you watched Kayla Harrison. When was that fight on? <laughs> I saw Kayla Harrison. Yeah, she's she's definitely a problem, even for Kenny. But there's no question in my mind. I know. Yeah, I am I'm such a huge fan. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I haven't been able to uh, to watch her fight live a lot. Obviously, you know, I'm so deep in these UFC shows during fight week that I'm not devoting my attention. If I can be watching film on one of the 28 athletes that I need to know by Saturday night, obviously it doesn't behoove me to watch the PFL live, but I love her. Like I love listening yeah. to her. I like watching her fight. Um, Ken Flo, it's gotta be pretty, pretty cool to have a uh, cage side seat to all that Kayla's got going on. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, to see all the support from ATT that came out, you know, Amanda Nunes and, so they always think very highly, or high, highly of her. Even Junior DeSantos was like, I don't lock up. He's like, I wouldn't lock up with her. He's like, I'm telling you, he's like, I don't, I don't want to grapple her. She's a beast. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, she definitely has the makings of maybe being, you know, on the level of Amanda Nunes. I mean, she's well on her way and she also concedes that she still has a lot to learn and she's getting better. So you think of where she's at now and what she's done. And then, you know, again, like, I think this is the difference. Okay. As, as tough of a sport as Muay Thai is, when you think about how many Muay Thai female fighters there are in the world compared to how many female judokas there are in the world and how long that's been going on and what it takes to be at the top of the judo world, right? And what it takes to be at the top of the Muay Thai world doesn't mean it's easy to do to be a Muay Thai world champion, but when you think of the competition to be the best judoka on the planet and to do that twice after like, you know, there's like a four year buildup to do that. So much can go wrong. And she was, she's oh. able to do that twice. It's insane when you think about in those terms. So like, yeah, of course she's going to be one of the best mixed martial artists. The Olympic yeah. accomplishments are insane, right? They, that you have to have everything sort of build perfectly right in a four year window. And she was able to do it twice. And uh, if Amanda Nunes, her teammate, and I would think acquaintance, if not friend at this point, were to give her that fight at some point under the UFC banner and Kayla Harrison were to win it, she would uh, probably supplant Henry Cejudo as the greatest combat sports athlete of all time. And I believe Cejudo to be that with, uh, with Olympic gold and two division uh, UFC championship status. All right, Ken Flo's got to go, Ray. You're going to stay what? with me. I know. How about this? How about this fucking guy, huh? No, I know you can take over. There's only one guy I know who could actually oh, take man. over, and it's Ray. So yeah, I'm is. good. I'm. I feel good leaving right now. There's no way you're leaving right now. <laughs> oh my god! What Imagine Ray just closes his studio window as well in protest. <laughs> Wait, did you? Yeah, right. Are you changing diapers? Why? Why are we leaving? I, I wish that was the case. Uh, uh, I got I got battle bots over here in Vegas, so I got to shower up, get picked up, and uh, and talk about robots fighting. Do you I, smell you know, it, John? I'm, Do you smell its success? Is isn't it amazing? Unbelievable! I smell like Bitcoin. I smell he's the Bitcoin. Got a bad, <laughs> he's, he's got a he's got a freaking Bitcoin meeting after that. <laughs> It smells like fucking cryptocurrency here in Boca Raton, Florida. Even though <laughs> he's, he's he's come, they're going to discuss a new 
currency today. It's called Botcoin. <laughs> that'll be hit. That'll be the crypto that he invents. You want some? I'll sell you some tomorrow. Crypto, Bitcoin only. Bitcoin. No, only. I know. I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I knew. I knew that was coming, right? <laughs> Cody would have corrected me in the comments. Like, exactly. Thank you, Cody. Cody's Doge. got my back. You know. Um, oh, I was going to say, Bitcoin doesn't right, have a smell, guys. so. Hey, Kenny. Hey, real yeah. quick, before you go, I don't need yes. like a long prediction, but Giga Chikadze uh, and Edson Barboza, oh, you're not man. being forced to make a pick today. Um, wh- who would you have gone with if you were? Is that fair of me to ask? Like, did you yeah, think sure. enough to um, have a prediction? Dude, it's such a phenomenal fight. I- I think Giga, I, I like Giga. I think he's a, he's a bit fresher. Again, I would never want to count out the experience and the speed of Barbosa because he still has that speed. But I think Giga's kind of streaking at the right time. If I have to pick, I'd go okay. with Giga. All right. All right. Yeah. Get out of here. Hey, have a great show. Right, we'll boys. talk to you uh, next week. See you guys. There he is. Former three-time world title challenger, Kenny Florian. Uh, um, yeah, we might as well stick on that for a second. So, all right. <clears throat> And people talk shit if you'd like, but it's hard for me to stay awake for these 10 p.m. Eastern cards on the East Coast. But when there is a main event like this between Edson Barboza and Giga Chikadze, I will sort of revolve my day around it. I'll drink coffee at 6 p.m. Eastern, whatever I have to do to stay up and watch a fight like that live. I will do because I think this main event uh, deserves that respect. What are your thoughts on Barboza and Chikadze? Yeah, again, it's, uh, you know, the experienced guy that's been around forever who's a killer against an up-and-coming guy who's been on a streak. Uh, I, I agree with Kenny. I, I would go uh, with Chikazi on that. And uh, I think he must see something that he thinks he can exploit. He's, he seems like a nice guy, very intelligent anytime I've met him. So uh, uh, it's it's definitely power against, like, speed and grace, I think. But even yeah. though Bose is fast too, man, yeah. I don't know. I, it's, it's a it, that's a good fight. I I'm gonna say I'm gonna take a guess. Barbosa's favored in that fight. So it's very close it right now. The odds on DraftKings: Giga Chikadze minus one fifteen, and Edson Barboza also in the minus one hundred five. So all right, so it's a razor it's, thin. Yeah. Yeah, razor yeah. thin, I think, is the cliche. Razor thin. So uh. Long go Weidman MMA, Garden City, New York. Uh, I guess the hurricane was downloaded or downgraded to a tropical storm. Isn't that right? <laughs> I, that's what I hear. Well, it wouldn't have mattered anyway. We were going to be in the gym. Yeah. It you was know, pretty I, sunny. Quinta was mad that his car didn't blow away. He wanted a, he wanted a big hurricane. But, well, it's interesting because for a lot of us who live in South Florida, this is our reality a couple times a year and, or every other year you're boarding up your house and, um, you learn not to mess with these things in terms yeah. of trying to predict them and trying to uh, minimize them in your own head. Uh, but I do get excited when these weather patterns start to come. And then when it doesn't come, it's like, oh, man, you know, I actually I got hurricane windows on half my house so that I could watch the storm. And then the storm no- never came, you know. But yeah, always, you. always, always better safe than sorry than with these things, man. They are. I don't even like any of the little inconveniences. I'm sure right. you guys get slaughtered down there. But, uh, yeah, luckily we got away with this one. But um, it was good. We had a great time at the gym, great training. And uh, and it was one of those days where it was mellow because of the storm. So it was just a great environment to be in. There was some footage of Marab, Dwalish, Willie, and Aljamain Sterling sparring uh, back was, at your school. That was Saturday, yeah. Yeah, I saw you there. 
they had the, a great- the watchful eye of the Godfather keeping yeah. tabs as to what was going on. What can you tell us about that and and either man? Uh, nothing much more. I'll tell than you a- nothing is what I'll yeah, tell yeah, you. Yeah, nothing much more. Than it was just great sparring, and um, you know, we have other guys that give you know like different looks too. But uh, you know, Aljo can imitate a lot of people. I think he did a great job with uh, they had a great pace. And, uh, yeah, it was great, great sparring. If I had said, as Ray Longo might say, look like he tried to punch a hole in his chest, maybe DC would have engaged. Because I know Cormier's got a lot of love for you. <laughs> but, um, uh, but the just silence was unbelievable. Thank gross. you for acknowledging that. Uh, yeah, too self-serving, no, of course, were I to acknowledge it, right? <laughs> um so I don't know how much of this UFC fight night uh, that you got to, and we got about five more minutes here with Ray yeah. Longo before we do get to some predictions in the main event challenge. Um, but I just wanted to shout out a couple of other performances uh, and see, did you see the kid from Uzbekistan, Saeed? Yeah. He looked really, really good. Great. He looked great. Matter of fact, for some- he took the fight on four days notice. Yeah. And he was yeah. home. Fantastic. He was in Uzbekistan when he got yeah. the call. Fantastic. That that that's I'm going to say that was scary good, right? I mean, he's a, a former CFFC champion, and uh, I'm really encouraged by him based upon yes. that effort and and everything that was working against him to be able to break through with that type of performance. Uh, and and he spoke Pichel. well. And he that? spoke well. He yeah. spoke very well. Yep. Uh, Vince Pichel, I'm just so happy for this guy, man. Seven and two in the UFC. He's been through hell, no pun intended, but uh, I was very happy for Vince and, and Alessandre Pantoja with a big win. Um, yeah. Did you see Josiani Nunez on the prelims, this little uh, Brazilian? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, with the, she knocked the girl out with an overhand left, I think. Yeah, that was I crazy. Think the, she broke that distance. She's just looked like a little firecracker. And that was really the book on her regionally coming in was that she uh, headhunts very effectively and super skilled as a finisher uh, in the Muay Thai world. And um, I thought the line of the night was when DC said that Josiani Nudez might be his new favorite fighter. I could tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah. All right, man. So uh, that's all I have for you. Those are all my notes for you today. Have you been able to connect with Chris Weidman? I know he's been through hell. Um, Uh, You know, I texted him, but... um... You know, other circumstances, I was, I, I haven't been in the best spot lately. Oh, so I, I feel, you know, but I will get in touch. I did promise I'd get in touch with him and I didn't, but. Well, given all that's going on in your world, we appreciate you taking yeah. the time and uh, no flights yet for Abu Dhabi, but it's on the, it's on the, uh, the schedule. So I think that'll be the next time I see you. Two months. Wow. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Unless no. there's something I'm missing. When is Murad oh, fighting? Yeah. September 25th. Yeah. All right, I'll see you in Vegas. Yeah, you're going to be there for that. It's a big fight card. Yeah. They didn't screw you, did they? Well, I mean, I uh, I don't have a flight yet, but I'm hoping they call my number, Ray. You know? Wow. I'm saying you're going to be there. It's you, Rogan, and D.C. I'll see you guys there. All right, man. <laughs> hey, have a, uh, have a great week, and uh, right. don't, don't be a stranger. Text me back. All right, thanks. All Take right. it easy. There he is, Ray Longo, every week here on the Anik and Florian podcast and if you do want the uh punch a hole in his fucking chest t-shirts uh anicflorianpodcast.com promo code af10 all right ufc fight night barboza versus chikadze this weekend what a main event let's get to the main event challenge it's the 
main event challenge. Annick. The time is most definitely now. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Annick and Kenny Florian podcast. All right, I love this fight card. UFC fight night. Barboza versus Chikadze. You also have a couple of ultimate fighter winners to be crowned. We've got three picks today. We are joined by arguably the best capper at MMA. He is Ian Parker, the duck at Ian Parker MMA. And of course, you're the goat, Cody. I thought Our you were talking about me. I thought, I thought that was the lead in for me. I didn't. You know, I can't. I can't. I gotta Cody's cut point, his do. To Cody's point, last time he did this, he did pick Carla Esparza by TKO, I think. <laughs> but we made a joke about it. And we all were like, oh, way to bury Kenny. And then Cody's the reason why Kenny still doesn't have a chance in this, but at least he got a little bit closer. So. Maybe he is the goat. Maybe he's better than me. There are a lot of goats here. I mean, I like to call <laughs> Cody the wizard, but our executive producer, our chief marketing officer, uh, jack of all trades, uh, Cody Merrill. Cody, are you excited to represent Team Florian today in, in Ken Flo's absence or what? My MMA picks can't be as bad as my football picks, so we're here. Yeah, which are coming back pretty right, soon. let's go. By popular we'll... demand. Right, right. <laughs> Made my picks, baby. That's how you win money. Maybe under the uh, anecdotes banner and not here but you're getting your cody barrow nfl picks one way uh or the other uh all right so interesting fight here at middleweight in mahmoud murada minus 450 gerald mershart plus 340 so you know there's a lot to this mershart package right durability has certainly been tested and at times has not held up his teammates just rave about how good he is uh in training he's 32 and 14 as a pro coming off a win by guillotine back in april I'd say Muradov is a prohibitive favorite, meaning at minus 450, that price would give me pause. Maybe somebody with a Parker bankroll would not have pause. Um, he isn't ranked, I don't think, but he's won 14 in a row. He's 3-0 and with two straight knockouts in the UFC. Ian, I know you like Muradov. What do you think about him in this spot against Mershart? Well, once you told me what prohibitive meant like a year and a half ago, I've Remembered that because now every time you say it on the broadcast, I'm like, ah, I'm probably one of three other people that know what this ah, means. Fantastic. Right. Um, this is what this is the major perk of working with John Attic for so long. You learn how to pronounce things better and you get a better vocabulary within the sport. You know what? Um, for Gerald, I'm he must have done something weird with this company. They like to the feed him. Like, it's just like every time part. he gets a win, you throw him to the wolves against a top prospect from another country that just breeds animals. It's it's crazy. You know, for listen, for Gerald, if he can get the fight to the floor on top and steal the first round, because Murdov is a slow starter. He really is. He, he takes the time. His finishes usually come at the end of the second, early third, or he just kind of takes over later on. But he's going to have the striking advantage. You know, I think physically he's a better athlete. Look, I think his training partners like GM3 because he's a good guy. He's fun. He is great on the ground, but it just doesn't seem against stronger physical guys that he's able to use that. So I'm going to go with Murdoff here. I do not think he should be minus 450. He has not fought someone, I think, of yeah. the talent level of GM3 with where he is at his best. I know Alex <laughs> trying to not laugh right now, trying to justify him not being minus 450 because of the camp that GM3 belongs to. I know what we're doing here. I like I Murdoff here. If you're going to do it, throw him in a parlay. Minus 450 is insane no matter how big of a bankroll you have. Well, and you know in any sport, I'm a straight <laughs> wager guy. No, I'm laughing because Cody, historically, when he's been presented with these opportunities – you know he's picking Mershart, right? Because if I sub Flo, in the first round, well, and if you're Ken Flo and you're down twenty, 
you absolutely should be picking Gerald Mershart. What you would do, and I know Kenny doesn't listen to the show back, so I'm not afraid to do this right now. Never <laughs> once in three. He doesn't watch it while he's on it either. <clears throat> and the only reason I do is not because I want to hear my voice any more than I have to. It's because I'm trying to get better, right? So sometimes totally. I'll watch this back to try to uh, to improve performance. Um, but Ken Flo should make his case for Muradov, technically or otherwise, and then pick Gerald Mershart because it's a four-point play and he's down 20 and time isn't running out, but it kind of is. So, Cody, the floor is yours. Uh, Mershart plus 340, Muradov <laughs> minus 450. Who do you like? Well, in betting, you have to pick your spots, right? And sometimes you get to go against trends when they're happening in the sport. Muradov hasn't lost since 2016. He hasn't been finished by a fighter since 2013. The doctor stoppage 2016 decision loss before that. You know, I think it's just time is coming up. I think you go up against GM3 and he's the stopper. <laughs> I think GM3 is going to sub him in the second round. So, yeah, give me GM3 plus 340. Oh, All right. so, so, wait, so Cody goes through that whole stat sheet. After he, after listening to me talk about Murdoff getting better as the fight goes on, he takes him in the second round. Yeah, I love you, Cody. Well, because hubris, Ian, is what really gets you when you're this good. So he's going to get really <laughs> confident. Maybe a 10-8 first round. GM3 is going to summon maybe Kimura in the second. So yeah. Mystic Cody hits again. Per- Peruvian bow tie in the second round. No, I mean, Kenny can change his pick when he wants to. So <laughs> all in good fun. I love no, GM3. he can't change that one. He can't change that one. <laughs> All right, at welterweight, Kevin Lee minus 145, Daniel Rodriguez plus 125. I would like the round of the method of victory uh, for the record here, guys, and uh, to our intern, Casey Williams. So Kevin Lee, back for the first time since the very early COVID-19 days, he lost to the now champion Charles Oliveira. It was in Brasilia, March 14, 2020. Now back up at welterweight, Cody, for the first time since a fourth-round loss to Rafael Dos Anjos back in 2019. On the other side, we have D-Rod stepping up here, trying to make it six wins in his last seven. Cody, we will lead with you. Who do you like here? Kevin Lee, slightly favored uh, against D-Rod, Daniel Rodriguez. So another situation where the gamesmanship would have come into play, if you go with Ian, uh, obviously fading whatever he does in this situation with the odds the way they are. Right. But I have to pick first. I think D-Rod's going to get it done. I'm going with the underdog here. I actually do think he gets it done because Kevin Lee seemingly – this is a fight that he could be overlooking short notice, you know, headspace seems to be really big for him. I think D rod's going to come out guns a blazing and maybe finish Kevin Lee. So that's what I'm going with. All right. So you're going with Daniel Rodriguez. I guess you reserve the right to change. If uh, Ian ends up on that side, what is your round and method of victory for the record for, uh, for D rod round one round one. And that that's a TKO. Knockout. Sorry. Right. Yeah. Round one TKO for Daniel Rodriguez. And I'll make sure not to lead with you on the main event. My brother, my blue eyed brother. All right. Kevin Lee, Daniel Rodriguez, this is a very interesting fight because Daniel Rodriguez is not just saying the right things, but he's doing the right things. And, uh, you know, he stepped up. Uh, I know this fight was offered to other people and they weren't able to take it for myriad reasons. You know, I understand Kevin Lee has been very critical of Platinum Mike Perry, but anybody who watched Remember the Show on this very channel understands that Mike Perry has relinquished control of his career to his coaches. They didn't think right now this was the fight to take on short notice. He's trying to build himself back up. And I would like to see the world respect that. Uh, the guy who did step up is D. Roddy and Parker. How do you handicap his chances here against a returning Kevin Lee? Well, first, kudos to Mike Perry for not taking this fight on short notice because we know that if Kevin Lee wanted to wrestle Perry, Perry, even though Perry's wrestling has gotten better, that would be where the biggest disparity would be. And I think Lee going into a new weight class, now he's actually fighting someone with a similar style. But I kind of like D. Rod here also. There's something about this guy that I believe 
as he continues to fight better competition, there's a maturity, there's an IQ there that keeps growing. It's not just the street fighters, not just the mental toughness. He's not just brawling. His boxing is getting more efficient. His precision, his speed, just everything, the angles he's taking, he's not just throwing caution to the wind to be tough. And that's big when a guy, when he comes in, he's knocking people out. I think Kevin Lee, this is not, this is not, I hate to say this, I don't want to be like a dick, but I don't think it's a smart fight for him to take in his first fight at 170. It's against a guy that not many people really know, but they will know if he gets the win. And if he can't get this fight to the ground, I don't know if he's the better striker here. So I'm going to go with D-Rod also. I don't think he necessarily finishes Kevin Lee. Lee is a tough guy to finish um, in general. Granted, he has been before. So I'm going to go D-Rod by decision. All right, Daniel Rodriguez by decision for Ian Parker. We might have to get together for the main event this Saturday night, masks on or otherwise. Giga Chikadze, minus 115. Edson Barboza, minus 105. One of the rare instances in which there's a fight that I'm wicked excited to have not been assigned so I can just sit home and ingest every minute of it for however long it lasts. I don't know what the round props say about this thing going the distance. There are going to be some sore individuals if it does. Chikadze's won eight in a row. He is as nice and intelligent and thoughtful as Ray Longo said he was. He's 6-0 and in the UFC. Last win took 63 seconds against Cub Swanson. That was back in May of this year. Uh, Edson Barboza has had 25 UFC fights. He's got a new contract. He was 6-0 and when he made his UFC debut. 6-0 and when he made his UFC debut. And I think he looks like a real contender at featherweight. He's a slight underdog this weekend. He's won two in a row. Last win against Shane Burgos in epic fashion as usual. Uh, and that was back in May of this year. We will lead with Ian Parker out of respect to Cody's strategy. IP, who do you have in the main event and how do they get it done? Well, I'll tell you, Edson Barbosa, he actually knocked out my friend Nabi that was coached by Ray in the ring of combat before he got into the UFC. And when I saw that live at the ring of uh, combat, I was like, this man is scary. He really is. Um, this is a really tough fight to cap. You know, normally you would say Barbosa with the experience and the level of competition. You got a guy in Chikazi that's just like, he's a sniper. Like he's a legit sniper. He keeps getting better. My question is, can Barboza use the takedowns here? You know, I don't know if his leg kicks are going to be, I mean, they're always effective, but if he's going to be able to get them off, because every time he throws them, you hear the commentators, you hear someone like DC and Felder saying, that's when you throw the overhand right. And if you get hit with an overhand right by Chikaze, you, you may go to sleep. You know, this one for me, and I don't know if either guy gets gets finished here. Both guys are super tough. Barboza doesn't get finished easily, you know, on the feet unless he gets subbed. I don't see that happening. So at the moment, I will go Chikaze by decision, strictly based on the mystique here with him, because he's not fought anyone at this level yet. Yeah. And that's not a knock on Cub. He finished Cub so quickly. We didn't get to see Cub. Why are you laughing? No, <laughs> I'm not. I'm just thinking about Am how I pronouncing it wrong. No, Is that what's going no, on? No, no, no. I'm thinking about how sore they are going to be in that tiny little 25 footer just beating the hell out of each other. They should not even minutes. be allowed to punch. It should just be a leg kick fight. God, you know? <laughs> just pure calf kicks, nothing else. I, I know it's, it's yeah, just, with no, but with no hands or elbows either. I just want to see calf kicks galore. Oh, I love it's, the good uh, elbow though. Yeah, you know, th this is this, to me, this is the most mirrored matchup I think I've seen in a really long time between the height, the size, the reach, the style. Like, this is like Barboza was when he was coming up, you know? So, some people who bet do so recreationally, some do so professionally. I mean, certainly a lot of the guys that I talk to on a regular basis 
they would never just bet on this fight because they wanted a little action on the main event. Obviously, you know right. somebody like me. I'll bet on every goddamn baseball game on a Sunday just to have action and watch none of them, right? Uh, I have <laughs> issues. But would you bet on this fight, Ian? Um, like, would this be a, like, would you bet on this just for fun or you, do you, you see what I'm asking? Yeah, no, no, I get what you're saying. Am I a degenerate? Um, so, no, 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 I'm kidding. I get what you're saying. No, no, avid. If, so if you want like matured, disciplined advice, what I would say is I don't think the lines are going to shift that much between now and fight time that you have to go and put something in right now. So if you want to be, if you want to be profitable, you want to be responsible, right? I would say go and see how is the fight as the, as the night goes on. If you're up money playing with house money, you know, Take a side or play a prop just to have action in it. Um, if you're chasing, it's a tough one to chase because, again, this is this is one of the harder, truly, in my opinion, one of the harder fights to cap in a really, really long time where, again, I think rank gets tossed to the side. I think level of competition gets thrown to the side. It's just yeah. styles make fights. And this is like an older versus younger version, but Barboza's not that old. And, you know, for me, I'm not betting this one right now. If I'm up, though, going into the main event, We'll see what type of feeling I have. You know, maybe I'll play like an over two and a half rounds or something like that. We'll see what the odds are there. Yeah. But I, I do not bet every single fight. I can't. You know, if you want to do a if you want to do a full card parlay, Cody and I have talked about this. If you want to go and bet every fight and throw like fifty on it to win like twenty thousand, have fun. That's cool. You know, but you know what? If you're trying to do this to really win money and trying to really be profitable, this is a very tough one to be confident in that. And I'm not suggesting anybody bet on every fight, but trying <laughs> to see how convicted you are in a fight that looks very close to a lot of people on paper. And when I've thought about ways to amend the scoring system for the main event challenge next year, one of the things I've thought about a lot of people when they do NFL betting, they might have to pick every game against the spread or pick five games against the spread, but they have to rank those games based upon their confidence. One thing I might have you guys have to do next week or next year, I should say, is yeah, you got to pick five fights on the main card, but you're going to have to weigh them. So you're going to have to give five points to your main event pick versus your first fight on the main. Well, you know what? I'll, t I'll tell you this from a betting perspective. I tend, and, and again, Cody really does track, you know, a lot of my stuff. I would say that the prelims tend to have the most value most of the time, yeah. you know, especially this past weekend. Um, the prelims was really where it was at. The main card played out okay, but, you know, everyone was sweating the Madsen play. You know, same thing with Ken Year. The, I think everybody and their mother had Chase Sherman in a parlay, you know. But, mm -hmm. in the, but in the prelims, you know, we had the first fight on the card we picked right. You know, it's just sometimes I think people get too excited with the bigger names and they don't break down the value with the, with the fights. And if you do it the right way, at least in where, where I've had success, I try to start on the undercard, work my value up. So when we get to the main card, you know, you're, you're playing with as much house money as possible. And therefore, if you're feeling something or if you have to play a little bit of chase, you're not too far behind. Like this is, I could not honestly believe any person if they came up to me and said, you're ridiculous. This is an easy fight to pick. I know exactly who I'm playing right now. To me, there's no way like th this fight for me, I'm going to be doing hours and hours of tape study still before I make my selection. If I even do it, you oh, know, who do you have? So I'm going to tail with Kenny here. I know he was talking about uh, picking Chikadze right off the top of the show. I'm going to go with him. That's where my statistics kind of lie with uh, Edgerton. His last four losses are to extremely high competition. Lee, Felder, Gaethje, Ige. I think Chikadze is in that tier of competition. Chikadze's six UFC fights, 243 to 128 outstriking opponents, 65%. Four knockdowns to zero. But his last two fights... 
performance of the night bonuses in the last 12 months is where I think Chikadze's trend really leans to him. 85 to 40 strikes, 68%. In Barboza's time in the last 12 months, only 59%. And he was actually losing round two on the judge's scorecard, a judge's scorecard in Houston. Right. I was at that fight. It was a very back and forth fight. Yeah. Uh, the finish obviously is very important, but I think Chikadze is just that next level of striker. I think he's going to go out and show that to Barboza. And I think he finishes Barboza. I think early because that's how he has to get it done. Barboza is way too tough to let sit around. So I think Chikadze round three KO. How about that? At Cody Merrow at Ian Parker MMA. Very interesting stuff. And uh, I kind of thought you might go Barboza just out of strategy, but Ken Flo gave us a pick. And uh, a lot of the guys, I mean, everybody on this show today had Giga Chikadze. All right, IP, appreciate the time. My brother, um, we will talk to you, I guess, uh, next Monday, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's your call, not mine. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, no, I'm uh, kidding. Probably my call. Gonna, let me ask you a question. We're gonna make we're gonna make some picks for the contender series. Give Kenny a chance to get some bonus points in there. No. All right, cool. Stay handsome, though. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate that. All right, on social media at Ian Parker MMA. Cody, get back in here with whatever fancy TV. There you. I go. did click the wrong button. That was completely right. my bad. All right, so. Did you just call him Edgison Barboza because you got a Brazilian girlfriend? Did you just call him uh, Edgison? That's not why. I mean, that's how his name is pronounced, is it not? I saw that you. I saw your face change when I said that. See, this is the after-show conversation people don't get to see. Edgison Barbosa. Oh, you've been you've had the green screen on for like four weeks, and every time it. No, it's a Mahmoud. green screen. Look at. Oh. Do you not yeah. see? So whatever you have on your green screen. Muradov, anyway, I wasn't going to try. That's I did get Kokramanov la right last week. It's, is it Kokramanov or Kokramanov? Like, how do you say that one? Oh, Saeed Yacoub, Kokramanov. Uh, now you're going to fuck me up. <laughs> Saeed Yacoub, Kokramanov, sorry. Saeed, yeah, see, I, I said it was Sidiokov. I yeah. messed the first one completely up when I did a call. Saeed Yacoub, Kokramanov. And people are like, man, you know. I thought it was Kakramanov. Already knows how to say the name, and it's like, well, my first thought is like, well, it's my job, you know. But it's like I I said it fifty times in my hotel room, <laughs> right? And I think there are a lot of individuals more capable than me that if they just did that, they would uh, knock it out of the pack. Um, all right, Cody, thank you for uh, making those predictions today. Yeah, so Edgison Barboza, Edgison, uh, I mean, Edgison, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's Edson. If he says it in South Florida, it's Edson Barbosa, right? If he yeah. goes to the coffee shop, if he goes to Starbucks. He's not saying my name's Edgison. Like I, I, I just can't believe you. You. We have talked about Edson Barboza before you aligned with this wonderful Brazilian American, and you've called him Edson, and now you're calling him Edgison. So. Hey, well, I, I'm now. <laughs> I'm getting educated. <laughs> yeah, right. Get the fuck out of here. We got to go. Anikfloriumpodcast.com if you want merchandise. Uh, if you want one more sleep gear, by the way, uh, you can find it at millionsco millions uh, One more sleep hats and shirts. Uh, promo code Anik, A-N-I-K, uh, for 10% off your order. And the link to that is uh, in my Instagram bio as well. Um, PFL will not feature Kenflow this weekend, but we encourage you to watch that. And of course, the UFC uh, on August 28th, UFC Fight Night, Barboza versus Chikadze. Kenflow's YouTube channel is live as well. If you like all that jujitsu noise, uh, power to you. Uh, thanks to Longo and Ian and Kenflow, and of course, the man Cody Merrow. Uh, we'll talk to you guys all in less than seven days. Thank you all for watching, for listening, for subscribing. Appreciate every last one of you. We'll talk to you in a week. Until then, feel late.
this message is for John Anik um, and not Kenny Florian. Kenny, if, if you're listening, um, please uh, uh, stop um, listening. Hey, um, John Anik, hey, I know you're um, a broadcaster guy for the fighter guys. Um, could you uh, please learn, it, it's not Fiziev, it's Fiziev. And 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 I think that you need to practice that. It's fizz, e, like the letter, and then ev, like Evelyn. Um, who uh, coincidentally, um, that was my great grandmother's name. Um, and I really hope that you guys have a good day, man. And and, and nobody gets knocked out and sucked off.